Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Avenue. I'm so excited. You can take out your phones right now. Check in with your friends and family on Facebook. Let them know that you are at Avenue. If you're visiting us for the first or second time, we welcome you again. This is a great place to call home. Now, my husband and Avenue Life mentioned at the movies, we want you to know that on Sunday, October 28th, all the kids can dress up as their favorite character. We're going to be handing out candy and all of the different programs. It's going to be a lot of fun, and so we have a great day planned for you. Well, today we are um, in the middle of our series, Asking for a Friend. Now, we call it Asking for a Friend because we all have these questions that... We want to ask, but we don't want anyone to know that we're asking them. Have you ever been like at a restaurant and, hey, do you guys have like a vegan menu? And and you're not, you know, you want to act like my friend wants to know. No, it's you who wants to know. It's okay if you don't eat meat. It's okay that you don't eat animal products. Just ask the question. We always have questions that we want to ask, but we feel uncomfortable asking them. So a couple months ago, Pastor Jeremy put it out there. Ask us your questions. Ask us the questions that you wish somebody would answer in church. And so today, I get the honor and the privilege of answering the question, are we living in the last days? Now, some of you are like, really? I came to church today? Friends, you asked it. (laughs) We put out polling, we put out voting, and this is what you voted on. But hear me, I love, one thing I want you to know about me, I love teaching the Bible. It is not something that I believe is supposed to be hard to understand. Now, what's funny, I'm going to let you in on a little something. I forgot my Bible today. So I asked my mom if I could borrow hers. Now, my mom's Bible is a lot more intimidating than my Bible. My Bible is not this thick. Hers is a study Bible. But I want you to know, God never wanted his Bible, his word, to be intimidating to you so that you won't open it up and read it. I believe with all my heart that this is to be read and to be understood and that I love to help make it easier. So can I help make the word of God a little bit easier today to understand? I'm excited. So we started this church about 19 months ago. And so when you have a brand new church, you've got a little bit of mixture of people. You have some that come from a Christian faith background. They've been a Christian for a long time. They grew up having a biblical worldview. They look at the world based on scripture. And then also with having a brand new church is that you have people that are coming in for the very first time. You weren't raised in church. This is the first time you've ever heard the gospel message of Jesus. And hear me, what an honor to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus as a new church. But that brings some challenges. And so the question today is, are we living in the last days? And some of you might be, what the heck is last days? See, some of us, we know the gospel message of Jesus. And that is that Jesus Christ gave his life for us on the cross. That he exchanged our guilt and our shame and our sin. And he put it all on himself. And he went on that cross and he died. And three days later, come on, he rose again. But that is not the end of the story. That is the gospel message, but it is not the grand finale. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? I'm going to tell you. So I remember when I went to go see Lord of the Rings, the very first movie, The Fellowship of the Rings. Now, I was the person who had never read the book. I just saw the trailer and I thought, that looks awesome. I love action movies. It looked really cool. And so I found myself sitting there when it premiered. And I am on my seat, man. I am looking. I'm engrossed. I'm excited. This is an awesome movie. And then it seems that it just ended. 
story's not over. You just, you just gonna stop. And my husband looks at me, he goes, honey, this is a trilogy. I said, what? <laughs> I didn't read the book. <laughs> I was in there not knowing that there was more to the story than what they were going to show that day. And then I got really mad because I had to wait till the following Christmas to find out how it continued. But hear me, friends, I'm going to tell you the grand finale today. I'm not going to make you wait a minute longer. I am going to explain by answering the questions, are we living in the last days? See, as Christians, we have a hope. In fact, the Bible calls it, it's our blessed hope. That Jesus just didn't die, raised from the dead, and, and ascend to heaven again, and he's never coming back. No, the blessed hope is that Jesus is returning for the church. That God is coming back in flesh through Jesus Christ. And again, you might be, what? I've never heard this before, but let me explain. See, the Bible has a lot to say about the coming again of Jesus, this blessed hope, and about the end of times. In fact, let me show you this, that one out of every 30 verses in the Bible actually talks about the return of Jesus or the end times. In the New Testament alone, there are over 300 references to Jesus returning or to the end of times. Now, in 23 of those 27 books in your New Testament, meaning from the book of Matthew on to Revelation, 23 of those 27 books all have explanations, descriptions, understanding of what it looks like with Jesus returning and the end of times. And so hear me, friends, it is a very much real thing. And it is in your Bible. So I encourage you today, get out your phone. Take some notes. Take out a piece of paper. Write some things down. You don't just have to take my word for it. You can actually go back and look at these books of the Bible. Look at this scripture and, and allow it to be taught to you as well. In fact, the book of Revelation, if you arrive there, you're already in the end times. This shows you what it is. You're actually living in it in the book of Revelation. So let me show you what the Bible says about all this. In Matthew chapter 24, the disciples have gathered around Jesus and they want to ask him a question. Jesus, you've been talking about these end of days. Can you tell me when it's going to happen? Can you tell me what it looks like? Like, what are we expecting? What are you talking about? And what Jesus does in Matthew 24, he, he gathers them together and he begins to teach them. But hear me, he never tells them when. He just tells them what to look for. So let me read the scripture to you so you see what it is they're looking for. He talks about rumors of war. Talks about nations rising against nations, about earthquakes and natural disasters, that the love of many is going to grow cold. It talks about division. And if you ask me right now, Lindsay, are we living in the last days? I would tell you, I don't know. But maybe, maybe, based on what the signs are, maybe. See, every generation has believed that their generation is the generation that Jesus is going to return to. Can you imagine with all the wars and the heartache that people have suffered over the past 2,000 years, every generation has thought that it's their generation. So what makes us any different here in 2018? Well, see, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, it says this, and that this good news, meaning the gospel, that Jesus Christ gave his life for us, that is the good message, the good news of the kingdom. It will be proclaimed throughout all of the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Now let me explain to you why our generation is different than all other generations. Because this scripture right here, when it says that the gospel message of the kingdom will be proclaimed to every nation, that word nation is not talking about landmarks. It's not talking about countries or, or nations. It's talking about the word ethnos, people. 
that all people groups will hear the gospel message of Jesus. Do you know that our generation is the only generation that can say that all people groups can now hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ? That through technology, through the advancements that we have made in our day and age, that the gospel can be translated like that into a language, that it can be given out. Do you know that there used to be a time where missionaries had to have been called by God to go to a culture, to engross themselves in the culture, to hopefully raise up a pastor in that culture and hopefully start a church or a Bible college? Do you know that a Bible college can now be put on a little USB? Four years of Bible college can be handed over just like that. We're in a day and age where we don't have to wait for the Bible to be translated into print and handed to me. I can get an app for free on my phone. Never, ever has any generation been able to say that the gospel message has been accessible to all nations. So are we living in the last days? I don't know. It's possible. So let's read. That is what Jesus said. What about what his apostles said? Because hear me, these are the people that worked with him, that did ministry with him. And they're the ones asking this question. So, so what does Peter say? I'm going to go to 2 Peter chapter 3. So you can get that out on your app or you can open up your Bible. And we're going to read because he has some very interesting things that he says about the last days. He says this, first of all, you must understand this, that in the last days, scoffers, they're mockers, they're going to come. And they're going to be scoffing, and they're going to be indulging in their own evil desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. They're going to say, what do you believe in? Everything has been the same since our creation. What do you mean that this is what you're living for? <laughs> What's the Bible to say? People are going to live it up. They're going to have no regard for the word of God. They're going to say, nothing's changed in all creation. Why would I ever think that the end is near? Next slide. They deliberately ignore this fact that by the word of God. So he's saying, here's the fact. The fact is that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. And an earth was formed out of water and by means of water. Now, this is where you're like, what are you talking about? You said the Bible is easy. Let me explain. In Genesis chapter 1, the Word of God tells us that there was vast emptiness. There was darkness, and there was water, and God said, let there be light. God formed the earth, and so when we hear in science class that there was a big bang, or an explosion, or some by mishap, you know, or by chance, these amazing things collided, and no, no, no. I believe that we are created by intelligent design. I look out at the earth. I look at people. I look at humanity. I look at a woman. And I say, my God, the miracle that you are. The miracle that God fashioned you in your mother's womb and the fact that you can have a child. The fact that our minds are extravagant, our, our ability to love and to nurture, to grow, to be creative. We serve the most creative God. We serve the creation, the creator of creativity. So I can't look at the earth and say, eh, maybe it just happened. I can't think of myself as a product of evolution. I am a product of intelligent design by the hand of God. And so people are going to say that that happened. But the Bible says, by these waters, also the world of that time was deluged with water and it perished. What is he talking about? He's talking about the days of Noah. That you got to remember the fact is that God created this earth. And the fact is by the same waters that he separated and created, he also destroyed. We know the story of Noah. 
Noah and his family was saved, but the, the world was in such darkness and such full of sin and disgust that God said, I'm upset I made y'all. Wiped out. And it says that by the same word, the same word that he created, the same word that he destroyed, this same present heaven and earth is going to be reserved for fire. So part of the end of days, guys, is that this earth ain't going to be here anymore. And that's not something we always hear about in children's ministry or that we read enough in our, in our Bible. But the same way the earth was destroyed by water, God does not have plans for this earth to remain or the heavens that exist now to remain. They are reserved for fire. Now, uh, let me tell you this. It says, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like one day. And that the Lord is not slow to his promise, as some think of slowness. So let me explain this real quick. We're looking at this, and God has a plan. He's had a plan from all along. That his heart is to see new heavens and new earth completely without sin. I don't know about you, but my heart breaks at the reality of our world. When I have to be worried about my son going to school because children are killing children, our reality is very sad. When there are so many disasters and there's so much hatred and people don't look at each other with a heart in the eyes of Jesus, but they look at each other with divisive intentions and with lack of love, I do wish and earn and yearn for, for God to do something new. And hear me, he is, but he's saying a thousand days to God is like one day to us. And don't be frustrated in his slowness. We take it as slowness. God, why are you taking so long? See, for some of you who this is no news to you, you've been asking Jesus, why haven't you come back? There's so much death. There's so much destruction. Why have you not returned? And, and he says this, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So he's saying, it's coming, but do not take my, my patience as slowness. Take my patience as love, that I don't want anyone to perish, but I want all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So the heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with a fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So friends, what, what are we looking for? You ask the question, are we living in the last days? What can we look for? Because we know they're coming, but what can we look for? Number one, people will be distracted with life. You can write that down. People will be distracted with life. The scripture said they're going to follow their own appetites. People are going to do whatever the heck they want to do. There'll be no regard for Christ, no regard for the word of God. People are going to be just very immoral, and we're seeing that. So people will be distracted with life. And I have to ask us these questions as, as Christians, maybe we need to ask the question of ourselves, am I too focused on this life or am I focused on heaven? Because the reality is that you and I are just passing through. The reality is that we're asking the question, are these the last days? Well, friends, all of us have last days. We're living in our last days. I'm 34 years old, going on 35. I maybe have a good 50 years left, 60 if I start eating right and working out. Hey, I don't know yet. I'm not committing. But anyways, I'm in my last days. And so we have to understand, even in the greatest days of success, when your life is going amazing and your family is just the smoothest it has ever been, you're still passing through. 
When times are tough and you are exhausted and your body is going through things where you thought you would never suffer this way or you're watching a loved one go through a hardship, you're just passing through. You know, Carrie Underwood had this great, great song. I'm a country fan. And she had this song called Temporary Home. I'm not going to sing it for you because it's not my gift to sing. You can go to Growth Track Step 2 today. You can learn your gifts. I've been through Growth Track. Singing is not one of mine, so I ain't going to bless you today. <laughs> but she had it right. That this earthly life is just temporary for you and I. And we have eternity to be in the presence of God in new heavens and new earth. It's awesome. So people are going to be distracted with life. The second thing to look for is people are going to forget God. You're thinking, how? how? How could people actually forget God? But no, the Bible tells us, you want to look for the end days? Look for a generation who no longer remembers God. I want to give you a little brief history lesson on our generations here in America. And go ahead and put up that slide. We've got builders. See, builders are the majority of our great-grandparents or grandparents. They were born between the years of 1927 and 1945. 65% of that generation, they were Bible-based believers, meaning they based their careers on Scripture. They based their families on scriptures. When it came to making decisions, they based it on scripture. 65% of that generation was all about Bible. Go to the next generation. Then we had the boomers. My parents are boomers. Born in 1946 to 1964. Look at the decrease. 35% were Bible-based believers. So only 35% of boomers were making godly decisions. Hear me. Boomers are our leaders right now in our country. Boomers make up our presidency, our senators, our congressmen. They're your, your, your principals. They're, they're the ones that write legislature. Like, they are the people who in charge, the CEOs of organizations. These, this group of generation, that's, that's who's leading our country right now. They're leading the world. What about busters? That's 1965 to 1984. They're also known as Gen X. Come on, somebody, that's my generation. But we're only 16% Bible-based. So now we've gone from 65% to 35% to 16%. And now the word of, of this, this time era is millennials. Where are my millennials at? I'm so glad you're here because only 4% of you are Bible-based. 4%. That's those who were born in the later years of 1984 to 1995. Hear me, friends. My husband and I, we do an under 30 group. Why do we do a small group for under 30s? Because of that number. Because in the most, the greatest years of your life are going to be those biggest decisions of your life. You're making them in your early 20s. Millennials are making those biggest decisions right now. What am I called to do? What's my purpose? Who am I going to team up with for the rest of my life? What am I going to pursue? What, what do I believe in? Millennials. So let me ask you something. What happens when millennials start having babies? They're having them now. Millennials are in prime time to be starting to have families in that 24, 25, 26 year old. What is the Generation Z going to be? What is their statistic going to be? Because if I'm looking out and I've seen the decrease from 65 to 35 to 16 to 14 to 4, are we near the generation where there's no God? Let me tell you something that I'm so passionate about. And that is our children's ministry here at Avenue. I tell my team all the time, we do not do childcare. No, we, we are raising up world changers. We do not do childcare at Avenue Kids. We teach biblical truth at a level that a preschooler, a toddler, and an elementary student can understand why. Because God has plans for them. And hear me, parents, you are the greatest influence in your child's life. But if the parents 
are in these groups where only 4% or only 16% are Bible-based believers, then guess what? The church needs to come up and help raise up them children, don't they? So when we say that this week we are learning in elementary that God used David to defeat Goliath, why is that important? Is that just a cute little Bible story we want your kid to know? No. We want your elementary student to know that even if they're young, they're going to face giants. There's things that are going to be bigger than them. But if God is for them, nothing can be against them. And I believe that God can use young people, children, to change the world. Some of you parents are in this room because your kid begged you to come to church. I'm being real. You didn't even want to come, and that's okay. I thank God for your student, your child, because they need you to pave the way. Now let me speak a little bit to, to those who have children in the room. See, I grew up in a house where if we lived in my mother's house, we went to church. That was the rule. Now, I understand that people have been a little bit more flexible. Maybe you grew up in a home where it was your choice, whether you served God, believed in God, went to church. Let me tell you why. Because, see, builders were very, they went through very hard times. Think about it. These are your World War II people. These are your Great Depression generation. These are your overcomers. And so, of course, they had strict and structured households. But the children that grew up in those strict and structured households, those boomers, they had to decide, am I going to be strict and structured? Am I going to have a strong foundation for my family? Or am I going to let everybody do what they, they want to do? Because I didn't like being told what to do, so I'm going to let my kids do whatever they want to do. And now they had millennials. And we kept getting looser and looser in our parenting. Let me explain something to you, friends. Your child is your responsibility. And you don't allow them to not brush their teeth, do you? You tell your child, you better brush your teeth. Why? Because I'm paying for that teeth and I got to smell your nasty breath. You don't allow your child to not shower. That'd be disgusting. You clothe that kid. You put a roof over that kid's head. Why not would we not have a say in whether our child hears the gospel message of Jesus? Why would we put that responsibility on them as a choice? Why wouldn't we take that as our parent? Let me put it this way. Let's say you just decided to landscape your backyard and you spent tens of thousands of dollars making your house look gorgeous, planting trees. Would you plant those trees with no plan to ever water them? You spent the money. You designed it. Would you leave it there, plant it, and never water it? Of course not. So why do we have kids and not water them? Why do we say, we want you to be a world changer, I believe in you, and yet we do not put them in the position to hear the gospel message of Jesus? See, I grew up in a home, and my mom's rule was, you sleep under my roof, you go to church. Your friends sleep under my roof on Saturday night, they go to church with us on Sunday morning. And hear me, I was a rebellious teenager. This right here, lust, drugs, alcohol, all three, nailed them. Until I, I turned 18 and I gave my life to Jesus. But hear me, I never would have known to go back to if I'd never been there. When I came to my life and realized, I don't want to do this to my body anymore. Or I don't, I don't want to give my heart or my person away to someone who doesn't care about it. I don't want to live this way. How would I have known what to run to if I had never been there? See, your child may be kicking and screaming, I don't want to go to church. But if Jesus is the hope of the world, if he is using his church to change these statistics, friends, you've got to take a stand in your household. Your child will thank you later. Your child will thank the decisions that you made when they were a young person. And hear me, I hope to God they do it to their kids. You can make a, a change in your grandchildren's life. I want you to have vision for that. I have vision for when Levi has kids and that my grandkids are going to grow up in the house of the Lord because my son is going to grow up in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I say that because I love you and I don't forget that statistic. I want to break that statistic. 
I want to see people who love and serve the Lord and make changes in our society. So it tells us that people are going to forget about God. And third, it's people aren't going to be ready. Scripture says that it comes like a thief in the night. That we're to keep watch because one moment you can be there and the next moment you're gone. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 24, again, we're always asking when. When is the end times? When are the last days? And this is what Jesus said. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So friends... If God ain't going to tell Jesus, why do you think he's going to tell you? It ain't going to happen. You have all these people proclaiming, the end is near. There's a blood moon or whatever kind of junk, right? If Jesus don't know, they don't know either. These are just things that we can look for. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be like a thief in the night and then bam, Christ comes. So it's not if it's happening, it is happening. But even greater than that, you really don't need to know when the time is. You need to know what to do with the time that you have. We don't need to be concerned with what time is it? When is this going to happen, God? You need to be concerned with what are you doing with the time that you have? Because, friends, we're all living in our last days. So, again, I'm going to close with these four things because Peter says four things. So about that time, or we're talking about the end times, let me tell you these four things Peter says. He says in 1 Peter chapter 4, the end of all things is near, therefore... And he gives us four things. The end of all things is near. Now hear me, he was talking about the end of his life was near. And we should do these four things. He says, the end of all the things is near. We need to be clear-minded and self-control so that you can pray. Number one, we should think clearly. I need to think clearly. Clear thinking is we have our eyes fixed on the eternal. That again, this is all temporary and, and my mind is fixed on heaven. I'm just passing through. Do you know that 62% of Americans believe that Jesus is returning? But only 8% of Americans live it out. So 62% believe that Jesus is coming back, but only 8% are living for him. That doesn't make sense. And so we need to have clear thinking. The Apostle Paul, again, another great man of God who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he says this, and he's talking to a church that he planted. Okay, he, he planted this church. He started this church. And he says, sir, I've told you before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many of those who conduct, whose conduct shows they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So he's saying, he's crying to his church, and he's saying, guys, there are many who say, yes, I follow Jesus. But he's saying, your lives make it look like you're an enemy of the gospel, that you're an enemy of Christ. He says they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite, meaning they're doing whatever they're hungry for. And they brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here. Paul is crying, saying this is temporary, and there's so much more. Why are we living this way? And he says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. So this is not my home. 
This is a temporary place where I am called for a purpose to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. But this is my temporary home. It says he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies of his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. God's got it handled. You're wondering, what does that mean, Pastor Lindsay? It means you're all good. It's okay. When we hear that this world is ending and that by fire it is coming, guess what, friends? We're pardoned from that. That has nothing to do with us. We are believers who have called on the name of Jesus. And just like God used Noah and rescued those who called on the name of God, God is going to do the same thing with this church when Jesus returns. And so we don't have to be focused on the destruction of the end times. Hear me. I don't want you leaving here like, oh my God. I'm going to have nightmares, Pastor Lindsay. I'm not asking, and I'm not putting that in you. That is not my heart at all. My heart is, is that God has something even better planned. And it's not a secret. It's not a mystery. It is in his word. And as believers, as people who say, I choose Jesus, you have every right and every privilege. You know that this book is outlawed in some places. And this book is not even about to be read in places. You're not allowed to gather together and read the book of, of Jesus Christ. But do you know that you can? It's on your phone. If you're too tired to read, you can hit play on the volume button and it'll read it to you. We live in a day and age where nothing is hidden, friends. It's all available to you. So get in your word. Yes. Keep your eyes on eternity and not on this earth. What else does he say? He says this, above all, love each other. So I want you to have sound thinking so you can pray, clear thinking, but I also need you to love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. God is saying, love people. Love people. Get your focus on your relationships. Start making relationships right. Because hear me, the one thing that's not going to be destroyed is people. You can't take anything to heaven with you. But hear me, people is all that's going to be there. And if you have hate and unforgiveness and brokenness and anger, friends, we got to get it together. We got to start focusing on our relationships because when we love people, and hear me, you might be thinking, but I hate him. <laughs> I don't like her. I am not built to be in relationship with this person. Let me, let me say this, is that when you're a Christian, God begins to live in you and work through you. Jesus comes into your heart. That is a real deal, friends. The Bible tells us that we are made new and that I no longer start living like the old Lindsay, selfish and prideful and all about my own life, but I start now living like the Christ in Lindsay, which loves people. And so you might be sitting in your seat today, never being able to envision yourself as loving somebody, but the God in you can love somebody through you. And God is saying, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. When you love somebody, you don't just see what they do. You see who they can be. When you love somebody, you're not consumed by what they've done to you. You see what Jesus can do through them and how he can heal you. You see through Jesus's eyes. So you need to focus on your relationships. That's number two. I got two more things and then we're wrapping up. Peter continues, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in every various form. So hear me, each of you friends have been given a gift. 
And you may say, no, I have not. Many of us feel like we're just blah. Like there's, there's nothing that's special about me. I don't have a gifting. Hear me. Everyone is gifted with something. And the Bible even tells us to go and eagerly seek out other gifts. And so that's why I love what we do at Avenue. Today at Growth Track Step 2, it's all about discovering what your gift is. What is your gift? I have a gift of encouragement. I love speaking life to other people. I have a gift of teaching because I love to teach. Hear me. If I wasn't teaching up here, I'd be teaching in a classroom. I teach in Avenue Kids. Why? Because I need to exercise my gift so that God's grace can be administered through me. Go find your gift in step two today. And you might be saying, I've never taken step one. That's okay. Today can be your first day in growth. Discover what it is God put in you because everybody is good. It's something. And then we're supposed to take these. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. So hear me. If you are a gifted communicator, communicate somewhere here at church. If you are a gifted teacher and you have a heart for children, help me teach those kids. Help me teach them the truths of the gospel because maybe they have a parent who doesn't know Jesus and maybe God's going to use that eight-year-old to speak life to that 35-year-old mama. It's amazing. Use your gifts. If your gift is to serve, then we believe that you should do it with the strength of God, that he provides it so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We don't use our gifts so that Jeremy Bosma can receive glory and honor at Avenue Church. We don't use gifts so that Nicole can be praised and honored as a worship leader. We use our gifts so that people can see the grace of God and that Jesus Christ would be honored. So you should make a difference. That's number three. Get your relationships right. And third, make a difference. You see, we are making a difference here at Avenue. Do you know that the best way for someone to know Jesus is if a life-giving church gets planted in their community? That is the number one people way people are coming to know Jesus, is that if a brand new church opens in their community. So we showed you Ocean's Church today that launched in San Juan Capistrano. We have a hand in that. Do you know that we were, we're a part of ARC, which is an association of related churches. They're all about planting churches. And we were number 638 of the churches that were planted. Do you know that we've now planted 809 churches? And that means since the day we opened our doors on February 12th, 2017, 171 churches have been opened since that day. And our generosity has helped make that happen. We are taking the gospel message and we are challenging statistics. We're fighting against the norm so that people can know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. It's awesome. You should think clearly so you can pray. Focus on your relationships because you're called to love people. Thirdly, you need to make a difference because you're gifted. And we're all given time. How much time you have, I don't know. The book of James tells us our life is like a mist. It's a vapor. One minute's here, the next minute's gone. I don't know when my life here is up. I plan to get old and gray. Oh, sit on a nice front porch somewhere green sipping my iced coffee no teeth like that's how I envision my life <laughs> I do shamelessly reading my bible just oh in pjs it's gonna be awesome but if God says Lindsay you don't get to go there then my time is up and that's okay but what's important is what am I doing now because now I've got gifting I've got relationships I need to do something now. And this is last thing. He says, I need you to receive God's grace. He 
writes, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? Have you ever wondered, what kind of person should I be? I think about that every day. What kind of person should I be? What should I be doing? What, what ought my life look like? And he says this, continue. You ought to be living holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. See, for some of us, that word holy is so, it's so intimidating. I can't be holy. I can't be godly. Yes, you can. Do you know what holiness is? It's a decision you make every day, every minute. Every minute in an hour, every hour in a day, I have the opportunity to make mistakes. And hear me, friends, I do. I'm not perfect. For some of you, I've already disappointed you. For others, I'm, I'm probably going to disappoint you in the future. But hear me, it's because I'm not perfect. But every day, holiness is a decision that I get to, to make to take a step closer to the things of God or to take a step back to do things the way Lindsay used to do things. Holiness is taking a step towards him. Continue. That day will bring destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. I mean, in this earth, it's not gonna be here anymore. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Hear me, friends. When God created the, the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve lived, it was beautiful. It was until that moment without sin, anything they could have asked for was there. God walked among them. You want to know what the new heavens and the new earth are like? Think about the most beautiful place you've ever been and imagine no death. God, I think of a life where babies don't die. I think of a life where a place where there's no cancer aren't sick. Revelation 3.20 tells us that this new heaven, this new earth, the thing that we have to look forward to for eternity, and there's no more sorrow. There's no more pain. There's no, there's no sickness. Like you and I will never have to face any of this death and darkness because we've accepted Jesus Christ. And not only do we give the gift of salvation, God is creating a place for you to dwell and to thrive place that is beyond anything you can ever imagine. You might be thinking, well, do I get to have fun? Yes, you get to have fun. You were created for fun. You're going to love it. It's going to be enjoyable. You're going to eat. <laughs> I'm like, is there food? <laughs> it's going to be awesome. But I look forward to that. And he says this, so then dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and be at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience, again, he's not taking his time to hurt us. His patience means salvation for others. It means that the family member that you've been praying for and believing for and crying out to God for, they still have time because his heart is that none shall perish, but that all would find eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he says this, Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, so you've been warned, I've told you, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. You're in a secure position in Jesus, but instead grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to close your eyes real quick because I don't want a single person in this room to leave here without being at peace with God. And to be at peace with God only comes from his grace. And the apostle Peter wrote, he said, receive God's grace. 
You see, there's a Bible scripture that says this, that seek the Lord while he may be near, while he can be found. That there are those that need to turn to God. So hear me, friends, if you've done something that keeps you out of heaven, so if you've ever lied, if you've ever had hate in your heart, if you've ever cheated, if you've ever sinned, that keeps us out of heaven unless you've received God's grace. And so I want to give everyone an opportunity today to recognize that God wants to take any guilt and shame and he wants to pardon it. Pardon means that he wants to pay the penalty for you and you get out free of guilt, free of shame. And so I would like to pray a prayer with you that I want you to pray with me. And for some, you're going to be praying this for the very first time and hear me. If you want to receive God's gift of grace, I want you to pray this. And if you are a Bible believer in this room, I want you to pray it too, because it is a beautiful reminder of all that we have in Jesus. So if you would please pray this with me. Dear Jesus, God, I need a pardon. I need your grace. I'm carrying my own sin, my own shame, and I need to be free. I'm so grateful that you love me. Jesus, take over my life. Forgive me of my sin. I want to live for you today. I want to make it right with you. I receive what you give to me. And I give you my life. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me real quick? If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, we want to celebrate that with you. That is not something hokey that we do here at Avenue. The Bible tells us that even one person calls on the name of Jesus. All of heaven abrupts in a party and they celebrate that one person accepting salvation. And so we want to celebrate with you, but we got to know. So let us know on your connect card that you recommitted your life to Christ or you accepted him for the very first time. Or text us the word hope to 702-727-8280 because we want to rejoice with you. We want to connect with you. And, and help you take some next steps. Right now, after this service, we've got two things going on. We've got growth track step two. I've already said it. You're going to discover your gifts and your personality. Literally, it takes less than 45 minutes. It's going to be an awesome 45 minutes. You can join Pastor Jeremy there. But before we get into growth track, we are going to celebrate some people who've made the decision to get water baptized today, that they are taking that next step in their faith. And what water baptism is, is it's taking their, play, their, public, their faith public. And just like Jesus was given, you know, in a grave, he rose again, completely restored, completely healed. No pain, no sorrow. That is what happens. We go out in the old and we come up new. That's what it signifies. We are simply signifying our new life in Christ Jesus. And so if you want to get water baptized today and you're like, I didn't plan on it, guess what? We have towels. We had a gentleman who just hopped in that tank today. I believe it was like his first time being here and he was so excited. He, he received Jesus. Jesus is Lord and Savior, and he wanted to be water baptized. And come on, somebody, we baptized him. It was awesome. And so if you would, please join me out there in the lobby. We're going to cheer those on who are making that step of faith. And if today, if you want to get water baptized, we've got team members out there to help you make that step. We're excited. We love you, church. We'll see you out in the lobby. Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc.